Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam, and I'm here with my daughter tonight, Sarah Beth. How are you doing, Sarah Beth? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing great tonight. Sarah Beth, I want to ask you a question. How many coaches have you had in your lifetime? Well, probably, I'd say like about 10, if not a little bit more. And what type of coaching did you receive there at time? What kind of coaching was it? Um, well, I had like kids coaches. So like, have you played like any kids sports? So like soccer, basketball, those kind of coaches growing up. And then I had, um, in high school, cross country and swimming coaches. I had speech coaches for FFA. Um, when I was involved in those speech competitions, I had interview coaches. And then as a state officer, I had a life coach that was assigned for a year. That's a lot of different variety of coaches and, and people have those kind of coaches, uh, throughout their life, most folks think of coaching in sports. But what if I told you that there was such a thing as family coaches? Well, have you heard of that before? I haven't, actually. Um, it sounds pretty cool. What is it? Well, do you think it's a, just based on the name? Do you think it's something that our family could have benefited from? <laughs> Probably. Well, today I interview Miss Christine Parker, who is a family coach from Texas, and she has an amazingly insightful view of how to develop a culture of success inside of a family, really a culture of belongingness inside of a family. Audience, I want to tell you, you're going to want to take notes on this interview as Christine really lays some truth bombs on you on the, the importance of belongingness, the importance of creating that culture, the importance of being intentional. And that's really something I, I want you to take away from this. So today's interview is Miss Christine Parker, life coach and family coach from Texas. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. I, I've been excited about this opportunity for us to get together ever since our mutual friend, Jill Helwig, who was a guest of ours last fall, connected me to you. I've been excited about talking to you and especially diving into the, to the area that you are really passionate about. So thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here, James. Well, if you wouldn't mind our audience, this may be the first time some of them are exposed to what you do and who you are. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about yourself to our audience. So my, um, my background really is in business. I was a a change management consultant in my in my corporate years, which is really focused in a niche on relational health in business. So it was really building high functioning teams, cohesive teams, really working on uh, communication and sponsorship. And then I became a mom. I had three kids in under three years. So I Ooh. really quickly shifted gears and focused home for a while. And Yet I still had such a passion to building teams. I mean, I was just building my little family team, um, recognizing that for families, they have kind of a one option for building relational health, which is counseling. And usually that's when you're in a crisis. Classes are kind of. Um, so I just have really a passion to take the tools and resources I had in the corporate world and bringing them and making them accessible to 
uh, families, and I'm really passionate about youth. I did a, um, a leadership program for youth, and, and basically my, my passion is to keep, give uh, families and individuals um, to unlock their potential and give them a vision of where they're headed so they can take advantage of the opportunity that they have right in front of them today. So this is so this is through family coaching programs that you yes. do, right? Yes. What what kind of services do you offer for for clients for for families who want to help? So I work with families one on one. I work with individuals one on one as an, a family advisor, coach, and uh, I've also put together an online course. Um, and that's for families or individuals or parents that can't necessarily um, afford the time. Time is actually the most valuable resource that takes time to do these things. Um, also, it takes money, but I just wanted that to be at, available to anybody who wanted to unlock more potential for their most important team, which is, I believe, family. So why do you think families need coaching? Family coaching really from my perspective, it's kind of a new concept relatively, maybe in the last decade, decade and a half that it's really caught on. Why, why do families need coaching, especially now? Well, I think there's a couple reasons why. Uh, I feel like we're not getting the tools and equipping we need for life success. And I, again, I, I mentioned, I believe your most important team is your family because that's your greatest opportunity for learning and growth. So Families, I, I like to say, you know, another reason why I'm doing families coaching is because I come from what I call a wonderfully dysfunctional family. And I really, people laugh when I say that. I think all families have a measure of dysfunction because we don't get it right. But hopefully our family is the safest place to practice. The problem is, is that when we get into relational ruptures or challenges, we get into bad habits and patterns and defaults. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, you know, you're not you're not going to school to learn how to be in relationship better. It's really the offline soft skills resources that are so important for every stage of life. And it's just not something I think we, we, we kind of trick ourselves into believing that it should come naturally. And the minute minute things get difficult, we kind of want to turn the other way and, and go a different direction. So one of my very favorite quotes that I use in all my, um, coaching is um, about, it, it's a guy named um, Barker and he, he wrote a book. It's like in its seventh edition of basic psychiatry, but he says, families are miniature societies in which children make their first attempts at adapting to the presence of others. Hmm. And then children learn patterns of social behavior that tend to persist throughout life. So what I like to do when my coaching with families is take those uncomfortable frustrating moments and reframe it to an opportunity for growth because whatever you're learning at home, if you can dig in and get the lesson out of it, you're going to then be able to show up on your other teams having that growth and development because you're going to be in many teams throughout your life. You probably, you know, some of your audience is probably already on a team and they're learning things about themselves. Your family's the safest place to learn things about yourself because Hopefully you have a family that's going to be there no matter what. And they see you. You can't hide in family. So you come home and you, you present exactly who you are to them. They know you better than anybody. So I say it's so valuable if you can lean into learning um, and move through those struggles so that you can grow from them. I like to say that my, my kids, um, you know, 
you have your challenges throughout life. And so as a mom, I can look at my kids and I can say, oh, they gave me a hard time in this way or that way, or this was a struggle in their life. But I like to reframe it and say, oh my goodness, that was my invitation for growth. Hmm. Their struggle in life was really also an opportunity for me to grow and for me to learn. Instead of just pointing the finger at them, you know, what am I getting out of it as well? So it, it goes both ways. There's so many things I want to unpack on that, on, on why the coach, the, the first was that concept that the the family really is your training ground of, of, of being a, a, a productive part of society, that you that you are supposed to learn yeah. how to live in a greater society in the family first. You think that lack, you know, that, that that is lacking now in a lot of families that, that they're just not viewing it that way. Yes. And I, I, I think there's a universal need. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest needs for all of us is belonging. We want to belong. And so if we're, you know, your family is a place to belong and not everybody has the benefit of a wonderfully, you know, supportive, encouraging family, but it doesn't take away that need to belong somewhere. So we're searching for places to belong. And I think it's super helpful if you can be accepted for who you are. And instead of people writing you off when you're going through challenges or growth or immaturity, that they're there to support you and encourage you and help you flip the script and see the opportunity in it versus um, the frustration from it. Um, there's a great quote by Brene Brown. A lot of your audience might know Brene Brown. She's super popular. And I love this because it talks about where I think a lot of youth are today. She says she defines fitting in as um, assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be in order to be accepted. So I think a lot of us in our formative years are trying to fit in. We're trying to be accepted And a lot of times um, that can be altering who we are and not necessarily being truly authentic. So she then she goes on to talk about the word belonging, which I think is even more important than fitting in. And it's actually what we want more than just fitting in. And she defines belonging um, as something that doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. So that's where I feel like family can come around and be supportive because they're going to accept you no matter what. Um, and I think it's a gives us again that that experience early on that allows us to understand what we're really looking for, which is belonging. Um, and then there's another quote that talks about belonging. It's a universal need to form and maintain positive, stable interpersonal relationships. And of course that should happen first in our families. Yes. The, the, the youth and the children that have come through families that do not have that, what kind of things or problems do you, in your opinion, do they encounter as they get older? Yes. Uh, just so kind of would... trying to lay it out to our audience of, yes. of why it's, why they should be concerned about this. Yes. I think that's really an important thing to process because we can only, we don't have control over other people, right? We, we only have control over ourselves and our response. So there are people I've worked with that can't change the people around them. But what I encourage them is let the change begin with you. 
you have an opportunity to, when we change and when we decide, okay, I'm going to take a journey of growth and maturity here. It forces other people around you to change and it can be uncomfortable for the other people around you because they don't want to change. Um, but that's kind of my story is I was trying to change. I, I didn't have a very good relationship with my mom. I can just talk about my own dysfunction. Um, we didn't have a good relationship. And I always thought, okay, she's my mom. She's older. She needs to be the more mature one. She needs to change or we need to do it together. And finally, I just had this God moment where I just, I felt like he, well, I feel like he said to me, you need to let the change begin with you. And I didn't really, at the time, I was too young to know that that was a real thing. And I did that. I let the change begin with me. I, I quit trying to look for her to go through a process. And I went through my own process. And I had to heal it from some things first. But then I had to understand who I was and be okay with that. Not let external things dictate to me how I was showing up. And... um you know, I'm happy to report. And it, it was it was a journey. And I think that's another thing that we have to understand is that we we need to be in this, these relational things. I, I, I call it a relational operating system. Everybody needs a relational operating system to to deal with relationships in a healthy way, whether it's family or work or friends or roommates. And we are so destination focused as a as you know as a, a culture, we need to understand that we've got to take a journey, um, relational life journey, and not just be so focused on the worldly destinations. And so I took a relational journey and I'm happy to report it led me to an even greater destination that I could have hoped for with my mom and we're healed and whole and it's been awesome. Um, but I didn't know if that was going to happen. I could only know that I could, I could get healing and I could get wholeness. Um, and fortunately she took her journey too. So we came to a place of wholeness first as individuals and then together. So if you have people around you that aren't willing to take that journey, that doesn't mean you can't start your own. All right. I'm thinking that somebody's going to hear relational journey and it might scare them. Ooh, I don't, that okay. sounds yeah. too touchy feely for me, or I don't mm -hmm. want to go down that because I don't want to know where it goes. So, uh, leave their fears and, and, and uh, share with them what you see that being or how, how that could help them. Okay. So um, one of my early um, introductions to this relational thing, it actually was in a classroom, which was highly unusual. I was in college and we did, it was so touchy feely. My, my degree was in human and organizational development. It was kind of a cutting edge degree at the time. And we sat in a class and we could only talk about the here and now. Like it was like, it kind of felt like a, like it was a lab experience. We had a class to go along with it. And this is our lab experience. So what I learned from that, and the reason we could only talk about the here and now is because it was you know, they knew what journey we were probably going to take in this lab, which which we did, which like for the first two weeks, nobody said a word because it was just we're in a circle just looking at each other. There wasn't much to talk, much to talk about. And then the conflict started happening because of the discomfort. And so what they were trying to do is actually get us to a place of conflict. And the takeaway really was to shorten the whole experience was conflict does not have to be a negative thing. 
it actually can be a good thing. But in our minds, we think, ooh, that's uncomfortable. That doesn't feel good. Conflict doesn't always feel good and it may never feel good. But when you get to the other side of it, it is great. It's, a, it's an opportunity for growth. It's um, growth waiting to happen. So mm-hmm. in, in families, like relationship to, to your question, we want to move away from discomfort because it's, it's not pleasant. But sometimes the greatest opportunities for learning and growth are on the other side of that discomfort if we lean into it. And I like to tell my families that um, your, your moment of conflict, you can really reframe that to be a journey of collaboration. If you take a step back and you start asking questions and start listening to understand each other, this is an example of a mini journey, right? For communicating better, active listening. Nobody communicates to understand. They communicate to defend. They communicate to influence or persuade, but they don't stop to go, hang on a second. Where are you coming from here? Let me see if I got that right. Let me see if I really understand what's going on with you and go all in one at a time and take turns with the communication. Then you get your agenda off the table. You get your personal offenses out of the way and you just can be neutrally understanding where someone's coming from. And what you typically find out is hardly ever does somebody, if they go through that, take that step to understand, they always walk away with a new awareness that they didn't have before. Wow. All right. Families are listening to us. They're thinking, you know, I can, I can hear maybe the dad, mom saying, well, you know, we might need some, some, some family coaching, but someone in the, the, and they're inside their family is think is confusing it maybe with family counseling Always. earlier. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, like one of the first things that uh-huh. there's a difference. Let's, let's define that difference. So, you know, we can alleviate any of those fears. Yes. Okay. So they're two very different things and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm for counseling. Counseling, however, is different from coaching. Coaching is looking towards the future in a practical way. Whereas counseling is really looking at the wins in the past and trying to understand your past journey, coaching is taking you forward. So what I find is that, um, especially if you're talking to men or anybody that really doesn't want to address their feelings and emotions, which is what you do in counseling, and it's very important to take that journey at times, what I find is people need quick wins. And um, I, with coaching, at least with what I'm doing, it's a process, it's very process-oriented, So, you know, the course is like a process. You go through a process. And I like to tell people, when you go through a process, it takes the pressure off the person. So when you're, for example, when you're um, anything you're trying to learn about, whether it's um, a college application process, right? You're going to start here and end here, but you're going through the steps to get accepted to a college. Um, If you're going... If, if you're dealing with an addiction and you go to AA, it's a process. You know what the 12 steps are to hopefully get free from that addiction. So I, I just, to me, process is super practical and tangible um, and it gives you quick wins. So it's much more skill-based, much more practical and tangible. And it's digging into giving you quick wins and helping you understand where you're getting in your own way. And then what I find is if there's other things left over, wounds or things, you know exactly why you're going to counseling. 
where sometimes people go into counseling and they think, okay, I'm here. It took me a while to get here. In fact, it, statistics show it takes seven years, in fact, to get to a, a counselor for relational challenges. Wow. People just don't. Yeah, that's um, John Gottman's research. And it takes seven years for people to get to counseling where, um, because I think they just don't want those unwanted feelings. They're trying to move away from that discomfort. And what I find with my families is, look, it's a lot of the stress and the relational challenges come because of, and this is a way to reframe things, because they really love each other. They don't want that. So their emotions get heightened because it's, something they really don't want because at the heart of it is actually I want love and I want connection and I want support in my family. So it comes from a very altruistic place. Yeah, this is incredible. The the verbiage that you just used describing what coaching is is exactly and it's like you two got together and talked exactly what the head coach for for Ziegler, the Ziegler head legacy head coach who is helping to create our youth coaching curriculum. That is exactly the verbiage that he used almost to a T describing why youth need coaching. And so that's why I was smiling big when you started talking about it. I was like, wow, this is such synergy between, you know, the youth coaching, the family coaching and business coaching. It's all such a synergenic moment. What I find with youth is, um, yes, there's real, I I don't want to diminish anybody that's going through a difficult Mm-hmm. challenging um, time. I mean, I like to say, I mean, I, I, I've probably been there with my family, um, but I think that young people are hungry and so desirous for practical tips and tools for how to live life. And there's a void of that. There aren't any classes. I mean, that class I took in college was so rare. I took, I talked to my professor years later, he's like, I had to fight to get that put in the curriculum. It was the most, I went to Vanderbilt. That was the most lasting impressionable class I took there. And it almost didn't get on, on the curriculum, in the curriculum. Um, And I, I think more than ever today with what is being thrown at our young audience, they, they are just craving it. I, and even the older audience, I took a marriage Mm -hmm. class and I was shocked that there were three marriages at the end of the 16 week class that all they needed were skills and tools and they got them. They didn't need deep intensive counseling. They needed tools. And that was so eye opening for them because they literally were thinking the D word until they got tools. And then they were, it, it was like, Oh my gosh, nobody ever taught us how to communicate like this. Nobody ever taught us emotional intimacy and how to connect on a deeper level. So I, I just feel like there's a, def, a deficit of it. And coaching is really, I think, going to be more and more sought after um, because of the quick wins it offers. Mm. I love the way David describes coaching. And he goes back to the original word, the old English word, that it comes from carriage, a coach being a carriage and a carriage being a a mode of transportation that takes you from where you are to where you want to be or where you need to be. Yeah. And that's the viewpoint that he he yeah. keeps saying that coaches that he teaches, you need to look at your job as being taken folks from where they are, to where they want to be. And to that point, 
what you said is if it's there's something that's in your past that is keeping you from there, that is something where you might need a deeper dive with a counselor, someone who has the training and understands that. So, well, I think the important part of that process of going from A to B is flipping the script. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can just be a coach can be a thinking partner to help you flip the script on your perception and, and give you clarity around it being a very positive thing when in re- you can just see the negative. And it's just a percept a perception change that can change everything. Do you want me to give you a good example of that? Please. I'm, you're funny. I was just going to say, give me an example. This is my favorite story. Um, I was sitting in church one day and they were starting the sermon. And there was some, there was a woman sitting to my right and a man sitting next to her right. So on my right next to me, the man's turning kind of toward my direction, talking to the woman right as the sermon starting. He's talking and he keeps talking and it won't stop. And I'm very distracted. And then now I'm really annoyed and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is unusual in fact. And I, I used what I said earlier. I was like, hold on, this is really unusual. I want to understand this. So this, that was my key thing is like, I'm learning to listen for understanding. So I paused for a minute because I didn't want to sit there and be the bad guy and say, hey, stop talking, you know, for the rest of the service. So as I got understanding, I realized that he was translating the sermon into Spanish so that she could hear it. Oh my. Talk about a paradigm shift. I wasn't bothered anymore because I understood. It's like, oh, now I understand why he's doing that. I want her to hear it too. And I just, he kept translating and I did not, I wasn't bothered anymore. So that's where I feel like that journey, what that journey does for us, it flips the script. It gives us a paradigm shift to where we can understand it in a way that instead of pulling back and slowing us down, we run forward because we get it. Wow, that's a powerful story. Uh, wow. So illustration. I, I, I would think so, one question that someone who's listening to this would have is like, okay, you piqued my interest, but does our family really need it? So who needs family cancer? Who benefits yeah, well, from it? That's a great question too. Um, I, I like to use, uh, if really anybody can benefit, even if you're coming from a family in pain, what I find is like, um, if there's an addiction, for example, in a family, there's still practical tools. There's healing that needs to take place with counseling and recovery, but then there's practical tools just to learn how to connect better and communicate better. Um, but then there's also the good to great family. It's like, you're doing good, but mm-hmm. I want to be great. And I really, again, it's like those little things blow up to be bigger things because it's so uncomfortable around the people you love. You just don't want any barriers in the way of relationships. And so it's like, okay, it, or you diminish little things and you say, you know, a good family can be like, Oh, I'll just blow that off. Um, I had one, I had one um, client call and said, I feel so silly telling you this example about a conflict she got in with her sister. And I was like, oh, no, 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 This is awesome. These little things are so much easier to deal with now because they're little, mm-hmm. but what it was going to already turn into, because she was already painting the picture of, I don't even want to be around her anymore on family vacations. It's like, no, 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 no. That's where it's leading. Deal with it right now here today while it's small. 
the longer you wait, the more you're going to have to unravel and unpack and it becomes more painful. Um, right now it's just irritating. Wow. All right. So they, they get an idea. They're getting a, they're getting a vision. Hey, we need to do this. I can see the next question. Cause it'd be the question I have is what does this whole thing look like? What, you know, what are you going to do to us? Or, you know, what, what's going to happen here? Cause and I'm, and maybe I'm being stereotypical in this. I can see the dads in the whole situation, the men going, yeah, yeah I don't think this is what I want to do. I don't want to sit and share my feelings here. So what's going to happen, you know, if, if they do family coaching? So my process that I developed, I call, um, I did an online course again to make it accessible for anybody who wants to improve and make these small changes. And it's called um, Your Family Blueprint. I think every family can really benefit from a relational map. Um, and so it's kind of broken into four parts with modules and it's your family blueprint. And you can go on kristenparker.com slash blueprint. And that is the easiest way. In a few hours, there's a, there's a workbook. You can literally summarize that whole course in like a four page map for each person in your family. And that's just awesome. I do that for my family. It just gives you direction. Yep, that's it. Um, and then from there, I like to, I'll do one-on-one -on -one coaching for people. But the Blueprint class, even the website, if you just go look at the website, it shows you and it breaks you down the areas that I think families need to connect on and, and really think through. I mean, we're families are running full steam ahead. I think one of the, again, one of the greatest resources and most limited is our time. If you take a little time to map out your family blueprint, then you're going to save so much time because it's going to be on autopilot. You're not, it's, it's not going to require more time as you go through the motions. You're just going to have much more of a vision of the target you're trying to hit as a family. Years ago, Ah, gosh, probably six years ago, maybe seven. It was before we actually started uh, Generation Ziggler. I, I wanted my family to identify what our mission was as a family. Yeah. So we sat down over like two months, maybe once a week, and we kind of laid out who we were, kind of wrote our, our mission statement. I was in the, I had owned several small businesses, and that was kind of a key component, making sure right. that we understood what our mission was so that, so that even the very new employee knew, okay, I'm not just here to do this simple menial task. It, it, it is part of a larger uh, picture for this company. I want to take that concept and do it the same with the family. So I, I'm telling that, but, but for the purpose of the, the outcomes that I saw was a greater vision and understanding of, mm -hmm. of each other. Mm -hmm. um, the person who is the most impressive during the entire thing was my youngest who at the time was four that she just had this she would say things that would just be so insightful and i was like wow she's really listening to some of the things that that are said at church that we echo at home about what we are as a family and so i think it brought us closer together but one thing i did not do and and this and i and i said i was going to as their family and we we all said we were going to do it we did not it just didn't happen is we were going to make a big uh, picture of, of our, what we are as a family and put it up and everybody has a copy of it, but I never got that. I never did that. And I regret yeah. that. Um, I'm actually can look to, to my left over here. I don't know if it shows up that way. Or no, I don't. 
<laughs> but way over there on the side of my room, I can see the the my copy of, of what that is. But it, what you're doing with it, laying out a blueprint, to, uh, that seems so simple. And sometimes it might not seem like it's, oh, that's that's kind of hokey. You know, oh, would you do that with the family? But it is so impactful. At least it was from our standpoint. Yeah, it gives you a vision of where you're headed. So what I what I do that. Um, because again, I was in business first, right? So mm-hmm. mission statements in business are pretty, pretty prevalent. But I like to, I, I, I use a little different terminology. I, I say culture statement because Ooh. a mission statement is aspirational to you want to become. And that's more around goals. But a culture statement is who you already are. So you have a culture in your family, whether it's written or not, whether it's understood widely or not. If you can actually put that in writing and make it plain, you know, there's that verse, um, write it down, make it, make it plain. And so a herald can run with it. Mm. So when you make it plain, when you write it down, it becomes a rallying cry for your family, but it's not who you're trying to be. Again, we're not trying to fit in and be something we're not. We want to, we want to hone in on who we already are and mm-hmm. you are, you do have a culture. So I like to, that's part of the blueprint is, is writing out your culture statement. And I've we got could, a lot we have- I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I have a lot of good uh, stories and feedback of people who've written theirs on the on a board. And when people come over, they just kind of sit there and read it and go, oh, my goodness, that is exactly who you are. You know, it gives an outsider a real understanding, um, in addition to just the family members being able to be on the same page. Well, we I ca- we framed it too is this is this is going to be the prism in which we make all our decisions. That's through. exactly right. What we choose to do as a family, what we choose to participate, where we choose to go, how we use our money, how we mm-hmm. use our time. We want to have a prism to do that. So the kids don't ever as they were growing up, would never come and ask or even insinuate, okay, I want to go and buy this or I want to go do this or I want to go and be a part of this. Because if it was outside of that realm, they knew that's not who we are. That's, that's not right. who who that's I was right. going to, to be. And uh, I'm glad that you worked to use that fitting in versus belonging, because I think that helped them mm-hmm. grasp the concept is I belong here mm-hmm. and I don't have to fit in out there. Yeah. And it, and it also helps you, you know, because no, every family is unique and there we all have a tendency to compare to somebody else. But when you know who you are then you're not trying to be another family. But in the absence of knowing who you are, you're looking around for something else outside of your your own family culture. When my son was four, five, somewhere in that age range, uh, we started playing t-ball. And one of the assistant coaches came up to him the very first day and said, uh, you know, I'm Coach Jack or whatever his name was. And my son introduces himself like this. He says, I am Jacob McLamb of the McLamb family. And I was like, that, and it got to something that was so cool. And I just started reflecting on it. And so that's kind of been a running theme for us is you are Sarah Beth McLamb of the McLamb family. You know, that is who you are. And especially for our situation in that myself and my uh, two oldest kids, we're all adopted. So and we did ancestry testing, you know, to kind of yeah. see who we were. And and when we started it, I set them down and I said, no, no matter what results we get back, we three need to understand. We are James McLam and the McLam family, Jacob McLam and the Glam family, Sarah Beth McLam and Glam family. That is who we are. This other stuff just kind of a, gives us some things, you know, to tell us about our 
DNA history, not who we are, not who yeah. we belong to, yeah. to use the words that you do. So when I did my culture statement, because I didn't have this concept early on, it was after I had my kids, I got I kind of had this revelation to do it. Um, and I thought, oh, uh, you know, but we had a culture and it became very clear. We'd been living out that culture, but we could rally around it once we wrote it. So then um, I was riding in a car with my mom. Remember the one I didn't have such a great relationship with. And part of our our disconnect was I wanted things that were different from her growing up. And so because we didn't have, so, so we're driving in the car and she said, you know, when I set out to have a family, these were the three things I wanted to accomplish. And, and she laid them out and, and it was who she was. She's very hospitable. She's very spiritual. So there were things that were just a part of her that became part of our family. And I've, I'm the oldest of four girls. We all live out the, that culture that she introduced us to. Um, but I never knew that she had those things that she was trying that, that, that were a vision for her. And she accomplished those things. The wound I had was not knowing that because I was wanting something completely different from that. And, and I could have rallied around what she was doing had I understood what she was doing. So that's where I feel like those things can really be powerful. Mm. Mr. Ziegler used to say that everybody wants to know what's in it for me. So what are the benefits? What are the outcomes of someone who goes through a coaching, a family coaching program as they're sitting there trying to evaluate, okay, we can see it's for us, see it's for our style. We we're feeling okay with the process. Now we don't feel like it's going to be too risky for us, but really what's in it for me. So, I mean, this might sound lofty, but I think it's really true. And I've seen this over and over again, where, my hope is that these little two degree turns will change the trajectory of generations. Ooh. Change the trajectory of your family for generations. If you can get a hold of one powerful truth, such as a culture statement, it's like this is our culture. You know, one of the um, elements of our culture is we're unconventional. So we did unconventional things a little bit unique um, with our kids growing up. And what it did was it gave them permission to be unconventional and kind of do things that were in their heart to do that were authentic to them, even if they didn't fit in with the norms or, you know, the mainstream. Because they'd already experienced what it was like to do something a little bit different at a young age. They just didn't have the fear of it at an older age. So, you know, my my daughter, one example is she took a gap year. You know, that's not a typical thing. And she didn't even look back. She embraced all of it. You know, mm -hmm. one of my other children went to school without any friends from high school, just, you know, so I, I feel like it gave them a little bit of a foundational, right? That what they experienced was a pattern in their life that they were able to um, build on later. So I feel like that um, ingrained something in them that's going to help them pass that along to their kids. So those uh, virtuous cycles, you can create virtuous cycles or you can create vicious cycles. So, so it's being intentional to take the time to really understand, like that's why I call that your blueprint. If you want to get to a destination, what are you being intentional to do to get there and define it, write it down, even if you never look at it again at least you've gone through the process of thinking it through. So it's in the background of your mind 
and it does influence and inform your decisions and how you approach life differently just by going through that process. Um, and it'll change things. It'll shift things. Wow. How can our audience connect with you? What, what is the best way for them to connect so they can learn more about what you're doing? And it, cause it, you're not just limited to families that you can work with one-on-one person to face to face, right? It's you right. Can do it virtual. So right. how, how can our audience connect with you? So I think the best way is that I have a link on my website at kristenparker.com. Uh, and there's a schedule, a call, if you want to schedule a call, uh, or, um, that kristenparker.com slash blueprint is, um, where the information for the classes and you can see more about that. And, and then if I'll give you my email, it's kristen at kristenparker.com. If anyone wants to reach out in that way. Um, but I would just encourage everyone to dig in to their most important team and understand yourself and your team members and go through a journey of really uncovering your identity within that environment and that safe place so that you know when you leave that family team who you are and what you have to offer. Um, I think that's another valuable option that or opportunity that families offer is you know, kind of you know who you, each other is because you can't hide. But in the course, I give you some great free assessments. There's other assessments you can take as well. Um, but just I think that's the best thing you can get coming out of your family system is knowing who you are. Wow. Kristen, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. This is going to be this is this is the going to be a lead uh, podcast for our family month. Uh, and and it kind of kind of fits really well. And it was totally unintentional. I didn't plan it this way because I'm not that good at planner. But the podcast that this will follow will be the one about youth coaching. Then this one is family coaching. And this is all happening because God wanted it to happen this way. As we go into a month where we talk about the the importance of family, especially to to youth and in future generations. So thank you, uh, oh, thank, thank you, you for Adam. joining us. I'm passionate about family. I'll have to check out the rest of your, your month podcasts. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And related to that, uh, thank you, audience, for joining us today on the Gen Z Show. Someone that you know needs to hear this episode and see this episode. So please share, like, and comment on this. And we'll see you again next week on the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.